Hey everyone, uh, welcome to St. Peaks, y'all. My name's Leaf. My name is Tess, and this and is oh oh oh. oh. <laughs> Here, you go for it. You go for it. No, after you, sir. <laughs> this is the podcast where my good friend Tess will introduce the podcast. Oh snap! Well, I was in a hurry to introduce it because last week I tried to just launch into it without any preamble. This is the podcast where two librarian geeks talk about the TV show Twin Peaks once every one to two weeks, depending on our schedules. Um, <laughs> and Leaf, uh, never seen the show Twin Peaks before. Uh, Twin Peaks is my favorite TV show. So I'm watching it for like the third or fourth time. Leaf is watching it for the very first time. He has virgin eyes on Twin Peaks. <laughs> And tonight we are discussing part six of Twin Peaks, The Return. And before we get started, I have two emails to share. My heart just got warmer. That's incredible news. <laughs> I'm going to bring them up. Okay, our first one <laughs> is from our best friend, Chris. Hey there, Chris. Chris. Best friend to the podcast. Um, he runs the Same Peaks Y'all Facebook page. If you happen to be on Facebook and want to like Same Peaks Y'all on Facebook, thank you for uh, your work on that, Chris. Um, he says, hello, Tess and Leaf. You were talking about Riley Lynch's band in part five. The band name, in fact, is Trouble. Uh, strangely enough, my favorite metal band of all time is called Trouble. There was some confusion when Twin Peaks fans looked Riley's band up on the internet and some metal bands showed up in their search. Tess, I don't know if you would like them as they are a doom metal band from the Chicago area. Just a few more parts until Leaf gets to see part eight. Cheers and beers. Chris, we're one step closer to part eight. Cheers to you, Chris. You know what is so funny? Tess, I forgot that eight was like the episode that everyone was like what were the exact words it was like will leaf survive it or i want to be there for it or i don't remember and we got a email from our friend guy <laughs> it's a short front a short one it says <laughs> he said my favorite bit this week in our past episode was discussing your experiences at strip clubs while still censoring the A and S words. <laughs> we like to keep it family friendly on this podcast. I mean, but. we were there looking at um, apples and <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and snakes. <laughs> yeah, we were just looking at some apples and snakes. I don't know. You know what, Tess? Uh, I had completely forgotten that we had even had that conversation. <laughs> I, I love his sign off though. It says great F as always sent from my guy phone. <laughs> it's guy dude, man. <laughs> oh, guy classic. Everyone's always talking about like Android versus iPhone. They always forget about the guy phone, the underdog. They should never, ever forget about the guy phone. If you would like to email us, the email address for this podcast is same peaks y'all at gmail.com we would love to hear from you feel free to correct us if we say something wrong 
feel free to um, chime in with your favorite Twin Peaks moments. And uh, should we get into the episode? Are you ready, my friend? I say we just go into it. You know, I text you this morning. I just watched it early this morning. It was how I started my day. And uh, I got to tell you. Did you get up at 5 a.m. to watch Twin Peaks? (laughs) 5 a.m. is old news, sister. Oh, I I got it. I got up at I got up at four fifteen. Oh, whoa! Now you you're not in the five a.m. club anymore. You in the four fifteen? I've I've transcended the five a.m. club, and uh, yeah, I got up and I I went for a run, and then I came in and I um I uh, sat on the floor because I didn't want to get the couch all sweaty because I just finished the run. I turned the fan on and I turned on Twin Peaks, and I was primed and ready to go um i should say real quick before we get into this episode between twin peaks the return and oh i don't have it with me reading what's the author's name of rabbits because i started that terry miles yeah so i'm reading terry miles uh rabbits which tess recommended to me and between this, this book and twin peaks i not sure what reality i'm in right now and it is quite a pleasure <laughs> it's quite a pleasure i am not far into rabbits but it is definitely my jam i very much appreciate the suggestion i'm so glad you're enjoying it of course my next recommendation for you is uh the new suicide squad movie which i told you you needed to watch i can't wait to discuss it with you um but for now we're going to discuss part six of Twin Peaks The Return, also known as the subtitle Don't Die. Don't. Or actually, I think it's pronounced Don't Die. (laughs) Don't don't Die. It's generally good advice. Um, And uh, I'm going to summarize the episode. I have my handy dandy highlighter. Let me give it a click for you. Is that a new highlighter? It looks new. I know this is the one that I lost, but I found it, which is great. Uh, <laughs> I thought it just disappeared into the void of my house, but I found it. Um, I'm going to highlight any time you come across a mystery, and we will investigate those later in the episode. So this episode picks up right where we left off with um, Duper having, he's having sleeve difficulty as he is uh, still gazing at the um, at the statue and a very nice, I thought it was a security guard, but it turns out to be a police officer. Um, very cool, chill police officer, by the way. I love it. Sometimes when you work in the public library, you have to call the police. Every once in a while it happens. And sometimes the police show up and they're really cool and chill like this guy. And I just, I like, I really appreciate when that happens. I appreciate a chill police officer. I mean, because what we need when we call the police is more <laughs> chill, actually. I mean, all we joking do. aside, we don't need someone to bring it up. It's already up. That's why we it's called you, up. sir. We need or to ma'am. bring it down. Yeah. Bring it down a notch. Um, and Duper is very into this police officer's bat. He keeps wanting to touch his badge, um, which I guess is probably. Oh, did you have anything to say about well, that? <laughs> I was just going to say we we're continuing the theme of of Duper slowly like learning how to be a human, like an adult human, like him 
working his sleeve made me think of like Freya learning how to take her shirt off for the first time. Um, and then also uh, the other theme of him slowly, seemingly to get closer and closer to realizing who he is. And mm-hmm. I really thought the police officer was very cool. I love him gently pushing Duper's hand. Don't touch. Don't touch the badge. <laughs> you know, very, badge. <laughs> very sweet. Don't touch the badge. No, sir. Which I also relate to because sometimes when you work at the public lab- library, people try to touch you and you have to very calmly and politely ask them not to touch you. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, we get this really cute shot of Sonny Jim reading. Um, he's got a little flashlight and he's reading in his room. And I just love that shot because I was one of those kids that would read in my room with a flashlight. Yeah. Like my mom would tuck me in and I'd be like, you think I'm going to bed, but I'm going to read the next chapter. <laughs> I remember once when I was in fifth grade, because I read a lot when I was a kid, I took a copy of um, Through the Looking Glass, Lewis Carroll's oh, book, uh-huh. from the from my classroom because I didn't know if I was allowed to take it home because it wasn't a library book. It was like just the one in the classroom. How does that work? And I, I stole it. And then I read, look at you. And then I read all of it in one night because I was so nervous about it. And then I returned it and no one, in fact, that's the first time I've ever confessed that to anyone. Oh, I probably probably told Amanda, but I I stole it for one night and read it. It was a very good book. And um, you um, have you ever tried to reread that as an adult? I haven't. No, actually. I would recommend it. I read it because um, that was one of my childhood favorites. And I read it uh, just a few years ago. And I was like, wow, this guy was on some incredible drugs. Well, <laughs> the word, the word is nonsense, right? Like it's the, the thing is the nonsense. Um, I just read for the first time, I think it's called The Hunt of the Snark this have you heard of this the hunt no. I'm, I'm gonna google this real quick it's <laughs> it's a long i know welcome to the the carol cast where we discuss lewis carrick's work <laughs> here give me one second like i remember when i was a kid my mom would often criticize things that i enjoyed which i mean she's just not a fantasy person my mom and it like it was hard for her to get into something like a star wars or you know, she was always like, why do you like this? I don't get it. And um, that was one. She was like, I don't know why you like that. And then as an adult, I was reading it. And I'm like, I, I think I get what my mom was, where my mom was coming from now. This is a really weird book. <laughs> well, sometimes I try to keep that in mind. Like when I was a kid, I collected pogs, which were just bits of cardboard. And so I try to keep that in mind, like when I, and there was like no lore, like there was no pog lore or, I mean, there was technically a game. Um, It's called The Hunt of the Snark. And it's like a long poem by Lewis Carroll. There's actually, I don't know if it's in the, in your library systems collection, but there's a beautiful, like it's a J nonfiction, you know, and it's, it's the poem. And then there's beautiful illustrations to it. And it's just like absurdist hunt for a snark you know what i mean you know it's very good yeah it's very good somewhere on this uh, shelf behind me there is binders full of pogs <laughs> did you keep all yours well i didn't collect pogs but brett my beloved husband brett did and he he kept them all he does have- he does he have any poison slammers Probably. I remember when I was a kid, Poison Slammers, because they had a skull on it. So it felt oh, like. Oh, he absolutely has one of those. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it was bad. 
there's a skull on it. Um, so the police bring Duper home, um, despite there being a lack of directions. Um, uh, and they also notice an envelope at the door and hand it to Janie E, who is happy and angry to see her husband, Dougie. Um, she does make him a sandwich though, which uh, I kind of, I love the character of Janie E. Um, I feel like because, and I don't know, I feel like I wrote it down, but I don't know where I wrote it down. So I'll just mention it right now. It feels like she really loves him but she's also really annoyed by him <laughs> and, she, and her she's like constantly going back and forth between oh and also oh and um that sandwich she made him it was crunchy did you hear the crunch in that sandwich you know what i think she did this is sandwich sandwich moments with leaf with leaf and tess um it's a new segment i think she put potato chips on her sandwich because when she bites into it that sandwich is crunchy af and it's, uh, it sounds so delicious i uh, felt the crunch in my bones when she took yes. a bite of that sandwich like i felt it like someone was walking on my grave it was incredible um anyway she tells she tells her beloved husband dougie that she is taking him to see the doctor tomorrow mm. and he needs to go upstairs and say good night to Sunny Jim, and he eventually makes it up the stairs. He eventually makes it to Sunny Jim's room. Sunny Jim motions for him to sit on the bed. Um, by the way, it looked like Sunny Jim was reading Hardy Boys, mm -hmm. um, but he had no bookmark. And this, this I do not approve of. I knew you were going to say this. I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. This I do not approve of. He folded the page down so he'd remember. No, no, no. That's for amateurs. You need to put a bookmark in there. I know. Um, um, not too long ago, a book came through our book drop. And Tess, I don't, I, this is not, I know I'm prone to exaggerations, but this time I'm not exaggerating. I swear every other page was dog-eared. And you know how, so this is, so first of all, as librarians, um, try not to dog-ear. I mean, if it's your book, go for it, I guess. I mean, no, oh, Tess is fun. Tess is saying never oh, do No, no, if it's your book, do whatever you want. That's oh, fine. But if someone yeah. has lent you a book, like the public library, for instance, mm -hmm. don't dog ear that. Don't do it. But what I was going to say is, even dog ear aside, the way it usually works is you dog ear. <laughs> you put the book down, you come back, and then you undog ear, and then you read, and then maybe you'll dog ear. This book, Tess, the whole book, like it was like, couldn't close all the way because so many pages were dog-eared. I just sat there and I was like undog-earing, de-earing this entire book. It was... The only thing I could think of is maybe there were like passages <laughs> on those pages. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking and you made me laugh. I mean, maybe. I I'm I think <laughs> it was... I wanted to remember, go back and revisit them before you turn the book back in. I don't I, know. <laughs> I think it was like a dog man book. Like, it's so funny. Like... like I love the and hey, if you're if any of our listeners are big fans of um, of the Dogman series, um, incredibly popular. Inc oh, Tess, at my 
we uh, can't keep them on the shelves in our one, life. Once someone returned, like a bunch of them at once, and we put them on the shelf, and, and one of my coworkers made an announcement, like, <laughs> we just got a new set of dogmen. <laughs> so if you want, if you, we just put them on the shelf. So if you want dogman books, come and get them. <laughs> children were running across yeah. the library. <laughs> and I, I hate giving people bad news. It's a part of the job, unfortunately. And I swear, Tess, one day I had to tell like six kids in a row, no, we don't. We got no dogmen. No oh. dogmen here. I'm sorry. You happy know, to put it on hold for you. I'm happy to put on hold. And then you see the look on their face. And I'm yeah. like, but it will come soon. And they're like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, dude. dude. <laughs> Duper. Thanks, Duper. Um, Sunny Jim has a cool cowboy light in mm. his room. And him and his dad have fun with the clapper. <laughs> I've really enjoyed in this episode. Um, not only because, first of all, Kyle McLaughlin, wonderful. Here's some snaps. I don't know how this will come through on the, on the recording. Yeah. So good. Such a great, because he's slowly becoming a, not a baby person anymore. Very slowly. And I, one thing I really enjoyed in this episode was seeing him enjoy things. Because he's been just like reacting and kind of like moving. But now you see on his face like, oh. I, I made a thing happen. I turned the light on and off. That's fun. Or, or um, what's the name? Oh, the elevator later. Like, oh, this is fun. Oh, yeah. You know, I think. <laughs> I really get stuck. <laughs> yeah, it gets stuck. But well, like, I like seeing think about that. it. Cooper has missed out on 25 years of mm-hmm. technological advances. I don't, I mean, I feel like they had the clapper in the 90s, but it might still be a novelty to him. I know for sure um, that they had the clap in the 90s. (laughs) Anyway, that envelope that uh, was on their, (laughs) that was on their door, it has photos of Dougie and Jane. And Janie E is very upset about this. and um, I thought it was it was really cute that like Duper, anytime she mentions Jade, he's like, Jade gives two rides. He's like, he's got this like little grin on his face. He gets a Jade. smile. Cause Jade I was think- really nice to him. That's exactly right. Really nice to him. Why not smile for Jade? Um, and I, then know, a- I know Jade made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> she just brings smiles everywhere she goes. He definitely, um, definitely I love gave a spin-off smile. Show. I'd love a spinoff show about Jade. Um, they get a phone call about the envelope, and it was left by the people to whom Dougie owns, owes money, and they're trying to blackmail him to get this money. And Janie E is no BS on the phone. She's like, listen to me. This is how we're going to do it. You're talking to me now, and you're going to meet me at noon 30. I'll be the one with a red purse. And um, she, that's where I wrote it down. I wrote mad, but still loves him. Yeah. <laughs> I really feel for Janie E. Cause like, she's in a, she's in a situation, man. <laughs> she was like yelling at him so much. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know if I like this, but then I thought about it. Like his family's in danger, right? Yeah. yeah. And she didn't even know like how much money, what was going on. You know, it's, I feel yeah. bad for Coop though, because he has no clue about any of this, you know? 
we get a shot of a traffic light, which to me was very reminiscent of the original Twin Peaks series um, and uh, a fire walk with me-esque shot of the traffic light. And then um, that red light kind of transitions to the red room Mm-hmm. And Mike is kind of wandering around the red room, appearing to to Duper again, and he tells him that uh, you have to wake up, don't die, don't die, don't die. And then there is some, according to the subtitle, the captions on my TV, atmospheric whooshing. Yeah. <laughs> It's like my favorite caption. And Mike, I really love him doing this. This is really good. <laughs> Do you remember when he did that? Yes. Um, um, the actor who plays Mike is really good. I think he has got a really good voice and a really good presence. And um, a lot of the characters that we see returning from the original show, I think either look or act differently. But Mike, I mean, he looks great. You know, I, I could tell. Let's put it this way. I knew that he was the guy. So that means he looked like the guy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, for example, um, um, also Mike, but Snake Mike. Snake, yeah. I did not I recognize him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Duper starts looking through these case files he was sent home with and lights start appearing on the case files. And so he starts making little notes and doodles wherever he sees the lights appear and then we uh we cut to albert he's driving in the rain um he's having a a phone conversation with gordon who appears to be very comfortable wherever he is he's uh having wine with a woman (laughs) fine bordeaux Yes. Meanwhile, Albert is in the rain. <laughs> Albert has some choice words for that rain. Um, he gets into a bar. That's what his destination. And there's a woman with cropped blonde hair smoking a cigarette. And her name is Diane. What did that, you think of that was probably the one of the reveal? <laughs> that's probably one of the best reveals we've had in the show so far because for a long time i really didn't think diane was a real person i really really i really did yeah i i really did think that he was sending he was talking to this and sending it away and diane wasn't a real person and either coop was aware that she wasn't real and was just this is just like his mental secretary or that he thought she was real and and she wasn't but i guess she's real sort of a precursor to siri like he's just dictating things to Diane, but that's not necessarily a person. But now yeah. you know. Now I Diane know. Diane was real the whole time. Um, and she's Laura Dern. <laughs> I know. Um, famous um, inventor of the was it the Holdo maneuver? The Holdo maneuver. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I was wondering if you were going to recognize her either from Star Wars or from Jurassic Park. I thought that it was <laughs> it was Star Wars just because that's more recent in my mind. Yeah. Is, do you know, is she coming back for the next Jurassic Park movie? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, the only reason I ask is and I don't even remember like what the new one's called, but I didn't I th- even know they were making another one. <laughs> so let me tell you something. And I could be wrong. My my news might be wrong. So that might be happy, but last time I heard, they're pulling a they're pulling a uh, end game. Everyone comes back. I thought Ooh. I heard 
um, Chris Pratt and um, his blonde female friend. <laughs> or is she brunette? I don't know. Chris Pratt and or female. Redhead, I don't remember. <laughs> he definitely had a face and some like today uh, speak. Oh, real quick. So this is a tangent within a tangent. My facial blindness is officially getting worse the other day i could not tell the difference and i swear to the goddess above between brad pitt and matt damon i could not <laughs> tell them apart and then i forgot which one was actually in remember a tree of life one of my favorite movies i could not remember who was in it and yeah, i was convinced i was convinced it was um ben affleck was in it and i was like oh. no it's once again so i got ben affleck matt damon and, and brad, brad pitt, pitt. All, all mix it and i usually as you know this usually just women but now it's crossing over into men's faces and then this morning a co-worker changed her hairstyle oh it's all done i i, I literally avoided saying good morning to her because i didn't know who it was that i went over to the schedule and checked and i was like who could this be is that leah and i was like no leah doesn't come in till noon that's not leah is it a sub let me look no, none of the subs are here. Is it that? No, she's scheduled there. Who's this person? And it, it got me halfway through the day too. I figured out who it was. I oh, know, right? Okay. Anyway, um, quick back. We're going backwards one tangent. Um, everyone apparently is coming back in Jurassic Park. Sam Neill, Chris Pratt, his female friend. And who's the guy? Jeff Goldblum. So. Oh, wow. Oh, I and dinosaurs. <laughs> All the dinosaurs are coming back. The only Jurassic Park movie that I am really interested in seeing right now is I would love an origin story of that scientist who who put who spliced all the DNA together and made those dinosaurs, including it, the big monster one. Is it BJ Novak? Yes. Right? Yes. I, I just, want that guy's origin story. <laughs> I only know that because Amanda watches, well, I don't want to say watches so much Law and Order, but there's been a lot of Law and Order in, in my household, and he's an actor. <laughs> he's Law and Order for um, sure. We're going to get back to Twin Peaks, but real quick, I thought you were going to say you wanted the Jurassic Park um, orgy story. Okay, continue, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's Diane. And I have been, I've been so stoked for you to meet Diane. Um, I did not remember that it takes till part six for her to be introduced. For some reason, I thought she showed up in like part two or part four. And I'm like, where is she? When is she going to get here? I think I made some guesses on the show as to who they were referring to, like who they you had to talk to next. Your prediction was Audrey was who they were referring to. So still we haven't seen her yet we haven't seen her um someone that has a connection to coop you know right but not not diane um if you had asked me last episode if we would see D- diane ever i would have said no um <laughs> highlight her by the way okay. please you got it um we get a cool shot of the packard mill which makes you realize that you are back in twin peaks and Richard Horn, who we met and unfortunately met in the last episode, um, is snorting something, some kind of drug. Is yeah. that the same guy who like grabbed that woman's yeah, throat? That guy. In a yeah. very, by the way, librarians, we don't like our throats being grabbed. So don't oh. grab our throats, please. No, unless we consent to that, because I'm not here to kink shame anybody, but. 
Oh, that um, is that is true. Um, it, 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 did, it was not consensual uh, in that scene, and it was very disturbing. And this guy is he is not a good guy, and here he is um, snorting something. I'm guessing this is the source of the drugs, the mysterious drugs that are running through town that Bobby was investigating and hasn't found the source for. Um, apparently, it's uh, it's. <laughs> It's this group of guys. So we've got Richard Horn. We've got, um, oh, I was going to look up the character's name. I want to say it's Red. Um, let me just look it up really quick. The um, There's a guy with a gun who's grinning throughout the episode. While, yeah, while you look it up here, let me just say, yeah, there's there's a large black man with a gun who has an amazing, well, the only reason, because he stands out, he's got a gorgeous smile. Like he's just oh. like, it's such a great smile. He's just <laughs> smiling the whole time. Like it's just, yeah. well, almost the whole time near the end. Cause I was just staring at him. I was transfixed by this man's smile um, near the end. Towards the end. Yeah. Near the end, he stopped smiling. This is gets a little serious. This episode had a lot of great scenes. And this one was, um, this one was uh, up there for me. So this, the character who does most of the talking in this scene is is called Red, and it's played by he's played by a great actor, Balthazar Getty. Is that actor? I really enjoy him. Balthazar. He, yeah, yeah, and um, he's saying, you know, um, you know, this guy's got the drugs. So you're gonna pick up the rest of the stuff at Marianne's. He's saying he's enjoying the small town life. Um, but he also says a lot of really strange, bizarre things. Like he he has something to say about studying your hands. Have you ever studied your hands? Um, he does kind of like little karate moves yeah, with his hands. Yeah, he also does this like weird like stomping thing that he says has to do with his liver. He's got a problem with his liver. Um, he asks, have you seen The King and I? That doesn't go anywhere because I was really hoping like, <laughs> I love The King and I. Um, and then uh, he he threatens Richard. <laughs> he says, "I will saw your head open and eat your brains if you ask me over." He goes, "I can promise you that. <laughs> I will saw your head open and eat your brains." Oh well, Richard says, "Don't call me kid." And he goes, "Don't well, call hey. me kid." He goes, he, he goes did not hey, like that. Hey kid. <laughs> Let me tell you yeah. something. Richard does not respond well to Th- that. This was a phenomenal scene. I think you've seen this already. You've seen the movie. Oh, we were, the book is Rabbits. Um, the the short film by Rabbit, David by Lynch. David Lynch. Is it yeah. One what Rabbit? One Rabbit? I think it's Rabbits, actually. I think it's plural. Oh, really? Well, I was going to say, because that, the whole, the whole movie is people saying things and then the other ones saying things, but not necessarily syncing up with each other or a response. And that's what this scene made me think of, you know, um, so, such a good scene. Okay. Continue. And then he, he flips a dime. Well, he holds the dime out very dramatically. We're zooming yeah. in. We're looking at the dime. We see that it's a dime and then he flips it and then it appears to hover in the air and then it appears to go into Richard's mouth. He pulls it out, but then it's in Red's hand. So my question to you is, do you think Red is a sorcerer or do you think Richard was just really high? And maybe we were seeing this through his, through his experience. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Um, 
can you highlight it for me? Because I, 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 the first thing that popped in my head was the thing that I want you to highlight it for. But okay. I don't think he's a wizard. Okay. <laughs> if he was a wizard, I mean, no judging. He would probably be Slytherin, right? <laughs> no judging. No <laughs> judging. No. By the way, if you like your throat squeezed a little bit, no judging. <laughs> can uh, you, real, real quick, Tess. Can you believe that I put... The so friends, uh, we have a website that we host all these episodes on. Can you believe that I put that website on my resume? Did you <laughs> swear I did? So, if anyone is listening, um, pl- I think I would be a great assistant branch manager, um, for your library. I'm very goal oriented, and I did. I- <laughs> I did. I thought it looked professional to put a website on there. Hopefully, um, hopefully that will uh, that will pan out well for you, my friend. Right. Well, I am a I am a human being. They should give you the job immediately based on that website. Who are they, we kidding? Yeah. Who are we kidding? That's right. Um, Richard is real messed up from this encounter. He's mad that he got called kid. He's mad that Red made a dime go in his mouth or not i hate it when dimes go in my (laughs) mouth it's like so so weird i don't know (laughs) also red said hey this is you remember heads oh i win i win tails tails you lose yeah very good Um, we get to see a trailer park and who is at the trailer park but Carl Rod? Oh, our buddy Carl Rod. He's getting a ride into town from Bill. By the way, this is another Bill. And I feel like we should probably start like a Bill count on, um, on the episode. Because we've got, there's Bill Hastings, who's I guess still in jail. We haven't heard from him in a while. There was Bill Shaker, I think, who ran into Dougie at the casino. There was a Bill who let um who let uh gordon into denise's office and now bill who's driving carl into town um so remember last week when i said i've got a theory and i don't want to share it yet it was very ominous it was ominous i feel like i hyped it up way too much i'm just gonna go ahead and share my theory now okay and because i feel like it comes up a lot in this episode Leaf, you know when, and I, because you and I have discussed this phenomenon before, you know, sometimes you're, you're just out and about and you catch a snippet from somebody else's conversation. A stranger is walking by and they say that maybe they're talking on the phone and they say, I can't stand it anymore. She has to leave or I'm going to go crazy. And then they're gone. They're out of your life. And I don't know about you. Most people probably don't either don't bother to think about it ever again, or they think about it maybe for a few seconds and then move on with their life. I get like haunted by those moments. And I think to myself, like, what is going on in that person's life? And then I think to myself, like, there's so much going on in my life and I'm a pretty boring person. But there's a lot, like I've got family stuff, I've got in-law stuff, I've got work stuff, I got friends stuff, I've got the world at large stuff that I'm worrying um, about. Ankle stuff. I got ankles, I got medical stuff. You got podcast right. stuff. And then I think to myself, everyone has stuff. 
And then I like, I almost feel just totally overwhelmed to think like the whole planet is filled with millions and millions of people and every person has stuff that I have no idea. And maybe I interact with them. Maybe I don't even interact with them. I just eavesdrop on them for a couple of seconds, but maybe I do interact with them for moments. And now I've become part of their weird, wacky story and they become part of mine. And it just blows my freaking mind. And what I'm getting to, my theory is that when you're watching a TV show, you don't really experience that. You you are watching the characters that the show is about do the things that the show is about until the show is resolved and then you move on with your life. But what David Lynch has done in this series is I feel like he's encapsulated that feeling of, guess what? You're not the star of a TV show. Every, everyone has a TV show that is their life, that they're the star of that they're dealing with. Every single person you meet is going through something and is dealing with that and has no time for your shenanigans and you have no time for their shenanigans and yet we occupy this world together. And I feel like that these moments that pop up in the show of like, oh, that guy's name is the same as that guy's name, which is the same as that, well, that's weird. Everyone has the same name. But that happens in real life all the time. Like I know like like three women named Amy and like they're all distinct individual people. Like they're not supporting characters in my life. They're their own people. And I feel like there's a lot of these scenes in Twin Peaks The Return that are like, what was that? And maybe you feel like, oh, that was useless information that was an unnecessary scene it didn't move the plot forward at all but guess what that's life your life is just scenes that barely move your life forward like because we're all just crawling towards the end of existence and i that's my theory about twin peaks the return is it's filled with all of these very bizarre moments that mirror life in a very real way and I don't know if he was trying to say that or if that's just what came across to me, but that's a, a theory that I have about Twin Peaks The Return. I think, no, I completely agree because I think the way he presents certain characters, he presents them where we, it's almost like the care. So in some shows, a character almost it feels like they exist for the role that they have in the show right like there's a hero and the hero needs to get from point a to point b and someone goes hey take my car okay thank you and i got there thanks for your help buddy and then they leave and we get the feeling if we think about it that that person existed just to give them a car and now they're going to blink out of existence but the way and and he does this later too with the scene at the r and r and he does it throughout even the original twin peaks the way he presents characters is that they have we see 10% of their story or, or even less than that, but they have like this whole story that I feel like David Lynch has in his head, whether it's written down or not, that we'll never know. And the point is that we, we should never know it because, you know, because, because that's the point, you know, the point is that we won't know the whole story and that's fine, you know? And so that's why, like, I'm not bothered by like trivial things. Like, does this make sense <laughs> or what does it, 
mean. Because I think I think a lot of people were frustrated with this show when it came out. And I know you don't care about stuff like this, but the ratings for this show went down every week. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it wasn't focusing on the characters that people wanted it to focus on. And it wasn't going in the direction that they thought it was supposed to go in. And I, I, it's a piece of art. And I, I, whether or not he meant to achieve this, I feel like it encapsulates that feeling of you're just another person on a planet full of people and it's not about you. I am um, no, I, I think he captures that. And it's like if someone started watching this and then they weren't enjoying it, you know, go ahead and stop watching it. But for me, it's one of those things that like it, we I think we mentioned Star Wars last time. We mentioned it before. It's the same thing as when when people or some people were upset with like George Lucas, right? And they're like, look what happened to the prequels. And then now people surprise her upset a, a different people well look what happened to these those ones were good um but it's one of those things that's like someone creates something and you can decide if you like it or not and then you can go about your day <laughs> because at the end of the day you and me and anyone else we don't get to decide what twin peaks is and if we did it wouldn't be twin peaks you know there's no other universe where twin peaks exists that isn't like this one you know so, um, no, I, I love it. And I've actually, I've told you this before, I'm loving this season way more than the original because of it being so, I don't know what's happening at all. Like, at least with the original, I kind of had an idea. We're going in a direction. This one, it's disparate parts that sometimes line up and sometimes don't. And sometimes I'm in scenes with characters I don't even know. And yeah, I, and I love this, that. This scene is a perfect example of that yeah. because, okay, here's Carl gee, I wonder what Carl's been up to for the past 25 years. I hope we get to, oh no, instead we get to hear a story from Mickey about Linda's wheelchair and how long it took for her to get her wheelchair and all the hoops that they had to jump through. And by the way, Mickey's also trying to quit smoking. He hasn't had a cigarette in a year. Good good for Mickey. Which, by <laughs> the way, he was, Carl was smoking like right in front of him, you know? Yeah. And yeah. he did a good job resisting, you know? He did. He did a great job. It's hard to quit smoking. Um, and I, I just, like, this, like, again, it's, like, a perfect encapsulation of that, of, like, hey, I'm really interested in, nope, I'm going to hear about, but now I'm thinking, gosh, why did it take so long for Linda to get a wheelchair? Shouldn't we be, like, taking care of people who need wheelchairs? Like, why does that? Like, and I think in my own life, my father is a disabled veteran and it took him a year to get a CPAP machine. Like he had to jump through every hoop you can think of to get this CPAP machine that helps him sleep at night and also helps my mom sleep at night because she's not like waiting through the night for him to stop breathing. <laughs> like, I was like, that seems like something we should just be helping people with very easily. And yet it's a thing that I've been stressing out. My dad's been stressing out. My mom's been stressing out. And here we got Linda and Mickey and Carl been all stressing out about this wheelchair. And like, I start thinking about that and I'm like, wait, I'm watching Twin Peaks. What's going on? There was um, a, um, there was a show. I'm looking at this real quick. Here it is. There was a show that came out on TV 
in 2010 called Happy Town. Have you ever heard of Happy Town? No. And it came out, I think 2010 might be like right around when Lost ended or when Lost was going. But I remember I was like, I'm looking for a new show with mysteries. And Happy Town was kind of like, Happy Town, the tagline is don't let the name fool you. Mm. And people, I had never watched Twin Peaks, but I, you know, you've heard of it. It's a thing that exists, you know, in the, in pop culture. And people are like, oh, it's the next Twin Peaks. You better be ready for this. And I was like, so all I really know is Twin Peaks is kind of like mystery-y. I was like, I can get into this. And it was on ABC and they had this little symbol of like a question mark with a top hat or something. And between some of their commercials, they would like flash the symbol, like to kind of promote the show. And I love that kind of stuff. Like, what does that mean? Anyway, this is where I'm going with it. On the first episode, there's a, and I remember this explicitly on the first episode, there's a scene where there's a family around a dinner table and there's a guy walking up and he's like, what a wonderful day. I'm the new sheriff of this wonderful town. You work at the, like, he's clearly like <laughs> saying like what we do. And boy, I've got a first day. I've got to solve my big case. And my daughter, I think you're going to have a great day at school. Hopefully you don't have issues with the bullies. And, then, and it was like, it was just the exact opposite of what David Lynch does where he, he's creating. And I don't want to say like real people because we've already talked about how they, they, they don't act like real people often, right, but they're, right. they're still, whether or not they act realistically, they're real people in their own ways, you know, with their own backstories. And Happy Town was the exact opposite. It only, I checked this, it lasted eight episodes. I think I was the only person on earth that was sad that it got canceled. Oh, only six were even aired. The last oh, two no. didn't even air. I think I was the only person who was sad that I got canceled because... I don't know. I love everything. And I'm also the <laughs> only person who knows that it exists. If anyone listening has heard or watched Happy Town, let me know, please. Um, Sam Neill was in it. So that was exciting. Oh, so. wow. Yeah. Email <laughs> us, tweet us at same team y'all if you were a Happy Town fan. I think when we're done here, we need to start our own Happy Town podcast. <laughs> I'd be into it. Let's <sighs> do it. Uh, I'll, I'll be the newbie and you'll be the super fan <laughs> yeah i don't even remember much about it but i do know that people were making those kind of comparisons and it, it is like happy town was like a small town and there was a murder and there was mystery stuff going on but like now that i've experienced and i'm experiencing twin peaks like that comparison is is ridiculous you know what i mean like yeah. in fact to me comparing twin peaks to almost not to say ridiculous almost a lot of other things is not a like if you said oh well this has a murder in it and it's a mystery it's kind of like twin peaks it's a small town no you know this is something that's beyond genres you know it's yeah. great um we get a scene in the rr diner um uh, we meet uh we see marianne who i guess we knew marianne from the original series is she the i remember there was like another waitress at the at the double R. I don't know if it was this one or not. Someone will email us and let Is us Is Marianne know. the waitress in this scene? Yeah, the one who's giggling. She's got a really cute giggle and she's talking to- Cute, cute is a word. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute. Maybe it was a little annoying. I don't know. Um, she's talking to Miriam, who we- we can safely presume as a school teacher because she's talking about the kids this year and um i love love miriam like just within moments of meeting her she's talking about like you know let's walk past the bakery and what would you know that cupcake had my name on it and actually i came in here 
there were two pieces of pie with my name on it too. So I went ahead and ate them. <laughs> I love her. And then she gives a really big tip. She leaves a really big tip and Norma and Shelly are like, or I think it's just Shelly at this point. It's like, can she afford to leave that tip? She's a school teacher. And I just really like this scene. But again, it's like, who are these people? Are they going to be consequential to the story? I don't know. Like at They're the living end, their life. At the end, we're like, oh no, what's happening with reality? And then and then Miriam spins around in the chair and she's like, that pie was- You never know it. at this point. <laughs> yeah, I really love this scene because one, I also love Miriam. Um, I thought she was very, uh, she seemed very charming. Um, um, permission to be a man. Oh, uh, per- uh, permission granted. Thank you. I thought she was a very attractive and um, <laughs> she's your type. For she, is my, <laughs> she is my type of woman. And I think another thing too, that uh, of, of reasons why I found her very attractive is she's talking about like, cause she's a bigger woman. She's like, Oh, I ate a cupcake. Oh, and I had two slices of pie, not an ounce of shame or regret. She's like, those are both mine. I'm feeling pretty good about my life right now. Um, but what I love about the scene is she leaves and she's like, Miriam's very talkative. And and what's the waitress's name? Marianne? Marianne. Marianne, yeah. She's doing the giggle. And part of me is like, is this a fake giggle? Like, and I was like, I was concerned. And I kind of thought this oh. is what they were setting up. I thought she was gonna leave because then they kind of get close together. And I was like, oh, they're gonna be like, I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the customer. Yes. But then they say sweet things about her. Yeah, like, she can't afford nice? it. We should really help her out. And I was like, oh that's a really sweet that's a a little bit of cozy right that's a little bit of it was a very cozy wholesome moment yeah not Um, a lot of cozy we've talked about that in this season no no and what's coming up is like the opposite of cozy and actually i'm a little worried about miriam we'll talk about that in a moment um we we see richard horn is driving erratically okay he's he's still messed up from his encounter with red he's all over the place he's driving fast he's driving in the wrong lane um carl is on a bench communing with nature this moment really reminded me of you leaf (laughs) if you ever wondered what i look like um the first 10 minutes before i go into work and over my lunch break i look just like carl minus a cigarette sitting on a bench and just staring at the trees like i just there's one well i stare at all of them but there's one i always stare at and it's just you're just there man yeah carl's just uh he's just relaxing and he sees a woman and a boy playing a game where um, basically the boy runs up ahead a little bit. He turns around and I presume this is his mother. She chases him to where he is and then he scoots out a little further and then she chases him. They're playing this really cute game um, until uh, Richard is driving in the wrong lane and he doesn't stop and he hits this child and he just keeps driving. And we see uh, this tragedy from basically all angles. We see the mother, she's devastated. We see the driver of the other car who was like, go ahead, you can go, go ahead and run it. It's fine, I'll wait. And he's feeling, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Why did I motion that maybe this wouldn't have happened? We see a bunch of onlookers who are kind of behaving more like the like David Lynch, like this is what humans might act like if they saw a tragedy and um 
And we see Miriam and she locks eyes with Richard. And I feel like that does not bode well for her. Um, anyone who looks into the eyes of Richard is probably doomed. Um, and Carl is also watching this play out and he sees like a light ascend from the child. And I oh, feel a like- A yellow light. Yeah, I feel like maybe this is that child's soul, maybe like ascending to some kind of afterlife. Do you have a, would you like me to highlight it? Can you highlight it for me, please? Got yeah. It. I um, mean, that, he, that would fit the traditional like retelling of like what a soul does and where heaven is, which is typically, I'm using my finger, up. Yeah. <laughs> right? It typically goes and up. After he witnesses this, he goes to comfort the the mother of the child. Um, and then we kind of like zoom in on an electrical pole. Um, is that the same pole? You probably don't know, but I'm curious if that's I the remember same that pole. pole. Okay, yeah, it's the same pole from, is it Fire Walk With Me that we see that well, pole? That's or the thing. It... I don't think, because we saw that pole at the- or Was it the original series? We saw it about? in Fire Walk With Me and it was at the trailer park, which he's not at right now. He's in town. So it's not the same pole, right? Oh, it's just another, I guess it's, it's just- It's a different- yeah. It's like a, a thing in, in this world. I mean, it's doing the same noise and all that. But yeah, it was it was in the trailer park. I remember that. Um, But he distinctly left. Oh, by the way, the trailer park is the new big trout, whatever trailer park. Right. Yeah, this is a big, it's a big new placard put on it. So that's yeah. good for Carl, you know. Um, we get some really amazing um, David Lynch technology. Like this is how technology works in this next scene. Uh, the guy in Las Vegas, is it Mr. Todd? Is that his name? Mr. Um, Todd. He's typing and then a red square appears on his screen. And then he goes to a safe with a handkerchief, you know, so he doesn't get his fingerprints on the safe. And he gets out a white envelope with a black dot. And then he sets it on the table and then he kind of goes on with his his day and things are kind of starting to come together mm -hmm. a little bit in this scene of like how is this connected to the I, rest of the story i think i forgot to do this but can you highlight those little white dots um that yeah. duper was scribbling on yes the and then highlight his doodles too i mean we'll okay. see the doodles again later but yeah highlight both of those those little white dots just to take a few steps back were so faint like they're very faint dots that at first i almost thought it was uh um an issue with the resolution on my disc like you know sometimes if oh. you're watching something something uh -huh. would become pixelated yeah. in a weird way and i actually thought that's what it was and then i saw the next page like two or three appeared you know so then i realized it was it was a thing it's a thing yeah um um we go to rancho rosa to the site of the car explosion that woman is still yelling 119 um and then we get a shot of a motel and there's a man playing a dice game the man happens to be of a very short stature. He's what you might call a little person or a dwarf. And he's um, he receives the white envelope with the black dot that, that the guy had put on the desk in the previous scene. And inside of the envelope are two photos. 
One is a photo of a woman, and I don't remember if you recognized her, Leaf, but it is the woman who was very stressed out in the last episode. Um, and then uh, an, a photo of Dougie. And he has a, this guy has an ice pick. With like a I nice little, it's an I ice pick an with ice like, pick. with like a decorative charm on it. Like yeah. it, it made me think of how you can get a charm for your cell phone. Are those still yeah. in getting a charm for your cell phone? I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, how long did that last? Two years? Oh, three years? A few years? Yeah. yeah. Have yeah, you ever had a charm? Run. Have you had a charm for your, no shame. I don't think I had a charm for my cell phone, but I recently bought a case for my AirPods and it has a cute little charm on it. <laughs> oh, cool. Anyway, he's got a charm on his ice pick is what I'm saying. And he the photos, which is foreshadowing for what he plans to do. I, think. I, I could never figure out what it was foreshadowing exactly. <laughs> I could never quite figure it out. And then there's Dougie. There's the duper, or rather, the scene on the elevator that you were referring to, where he's smiling. He's got his coffee. He's just so, he's just living his life. He's just vibing, you know, when elevator coffee is life. And he gets stuck in the door. <laughs> and the boss wants to see Dougie right away, Bud Bushnell. And um, Phil ushers him in. Tony is observing through the window because if you'll recall uh, the boss sent Dougie home with the case files because Dougie accused Tony of lying mm -hmm. and so Mr. Bushnell is looking through the case files and he sees what we see at first he sees doodles he sees like it looks like a child has just gone through the files with a with a with a pencil and at first he's like how am i supposed to make sense of this dougie you need professional help <laughs> but as you watch him over this very extended scene as all the scenes in the return are it's a nice extended scene you kind of see that um it he seems to be putting putting things together and he, he says, thank you for this information. Keep this information to yourself. You've given me a lot to think about. So he's figured out whatever it was, whatever Doug Duper was trying to tell he, him. He says, you really are a remarkable man, is what he says. It's, it's is, such a great scene. There is a moment where Duper is trying to make a fist while he's drinking his coffee. And then he... Uh, but... Bud goes in for the handshake at the end and Duper doesn't know like what yeah. is going on. Um, oh, Janie E is at the park mm. and the thugs arrive and she gives it to them. She gives them some some money. They were asking for, I think, $50,000 and she's like, I'll give you this amount. That's all you're getting from me and my family, and you will leave us alone. Well, she does a good job of. She goes, we don't have a lot of money. You yeah. Know? What do you? She goes, what are you going to do? Break his legs, and then we don't have money, and he can't work. Yeah. So she does this bit, which I think is really smart, where she goes, well, here's the interest. Your interest is ridiculous. So this is fair <laughs> interest. I'm giving you more than what he borrowed, and it's better than nothing. You know. And the two guys. So well, highlight. Uh. 
the two guys, I guess. Highlight okay. the two guys for me. Yeah. The two guys are like scared of her. You know, she yeah. definitely puts the and she goes back to the car and slams the door, and the one guy like jumps. Like <laughs> that's a good scene. I love it. I really um, appreciated her in that scene too. Cause I, I have to be honest, at first I, I didn't like her because she was yelling at Dougie. And I was like, don't yell at Dougie. Um, cause he's a baby. He's a baby man. Don't yell at the baby man. He doesn't know. But then I was like, you know what? She's really, she's really fighting for this guy, you know? She also has a whole relationship with whoever Dougie was before Mm -hmm. we've encountered Cooper inside of Dougie or whatever the situation that's going on right now. Um, She has like a whole previous relationship with this guy who is an insurance agent and lives in Las Vegas and has a son and and apparently gambles a lot. And I mean, so like, we can't really judge the way that she's treating poor, sweet, innocent Cooper um, because she's judging him based on her previous experience with Dougie, who sounds like he might've been kind of a disappointing husband from time to time. Um, If you, if like in the traditional sense that a husband's kind of supposed to be a caretaker for the family, she, it seems like she hasn't always been able to rely on him in that capacity. Mm-hmm. So I I really like Jamie, actually. I don't like her name because that's not a name, but I do really like, I like the character and I like the actress playing the character. I was actually thinking, I like the actress too. Um, I wish I remembered what I know her from because whatever, I think I told you this, whatever it was, I was like drawn to her in that original thing. So I don't know what it was. Um I like the name. In fact, Amanda and I were just discussing this. If we have another daughter. No, stop it. I think, I think Janie E, I would love a, a Janie E and a, and a Sunny Jim. And a Sunny Jim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that would be re- that'd be perfect. Really. You know, um, we see this guy kill the woman with the pickaxe. He kills a few other people in this location it's a very gory scene and at the end of it his ice pick is bent and that's how hardcore he went on these people he and he's actually really, he goes like oh yeah he's actually kind of emotional and he's bent his ice pick but he's on his way um after that it's um, a perfect um perfect mix of scary and then kind of like really absurd like the idea yeah. of like this this little guy like chasing him around you know but here's the deal he's got a nice pick and he yeah. definitely knows how to use it and he's like he's, gro- he's like growling he's and terrifying he's yeah he so puts the scared. ice pick in her he's like twisting it around oh. and oh my gosh it's, and, it's- and then he gets the one woman in the elevator and but then he comes out and he goes oh <laughs> i mean he even he's going through stuff that was an important ice pick to him yeah did you catch his name in the credits by any way no i'm sorry that's okay it's not that important but whatever it was it was something the spike something (laughs) like that was his nickname right i feel like i do remember that because i remember because i always watch it through just in case because i like to i have like a rule like if if the like i i because sometimes it runs like through the credits the whole performance and i always sit I sit for the whole thing because you got to you know that character's name is ike the spike stadler (laughs) 
very nice oh, very, very nice. fitting very fitting um, um yeah. back in back in twin peaks electricity is crackling it's crackalacking and richard horn cleans the blood of a child off of his truck he's still really um high at this point yeah. like he's still because oh, he, yeah. he also litters which is it's never okay. It's whether he, you've just murdered someone or if you know you just put your water bottle on the ground. Yeah. Started the thing is, back. he did not, in fact, give a hoot. Unfortunately, you know. Um, Hawk is in the bathroom at the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department, and he, I, I guess, a coin like falls out of his pocket. And he goes to retrieve the coin and he happens to notice, so he's kind of kneeling down by a toilet and gets his coin. And he happens to notice there, it's an Indian head on the coin. Um, and as we recall, he is looking for a clue that has to do with his heritage. And he kind of pans over to the door and he sees that the door was made by uh, some company called Nez Pierce, which is an Indian tribe. I think it's his Indian tribe, actually. So the Indian on the coin, there's an Indian on the door, and he realizes that there's like a, there's a crack in the door, and he decides he's gonna get in there. He, he, do you did you pick up? Because I don't know if I should highlight this or not. If you know it already, the thing that's missing, the thing that's missing, right? Well, what do you think it is? In the door, there are papers in the door. What do you think those are? Oh, well, I don't know what the papers are, but the thing that's missing, my first thought was the screw. There's screws in the door, but there's one screw missing. Oh. Because you're well, supposed to... Some... That might be it. I presumed that the pages were missing. From oh. Something. Like he found something missing because of following the clue of his heritage. You're yeah, right. My, you're my... right. The screw was missing also. I yeah. still think I still think that chocolate bunny represents that, that scary bunny card thing that Booper has. Oh, maybe. And then Chad is uh, also in the bathroom and he is being such a Chad. Ooh, I really don't like Chad. Um, speaking of Chad being Chad, um, we get another scene with Doris. Doris visits Frank again and she's still upset. She's upset about they didn't fix the car right and Frank is trying to reassure her. I, it, I'm sure it's okay. He probably just, you know, didn't do it. What are you saying? My dad doesn't know how to try. Like she's getting all upset. He says, and it sounds like he just kept the emergency brake on. And he's like yeah. so calm, you know? Oh, man, this should, guy should teach classes. The world needs, I mean, I don't know him yet as a character, but so far he seems like a great guy. And the world, I feel like needs more Frank Truman's in it, you know? I agree. I think, yeah. I think Frank is like, the best member of the Truman family so far, actually. I mean, I have no issues with Frank. He's a great guy. I love his, I love the Frank, is it Doris? Doris his is wife. his wife. Yeah, I love their exchanges so much. I think they're um, so great. And so there's a, another officer there because Chad is like, oh my God, this lady, what a nightmare, right? And there's another officer there. She's like, you know what happened, right? You know that their son, who was a military veteran, committed suicide. And he's like, yeah, so what? Oh, 
oh, I'm soldier, I can't take it. And suddenly Doris's behavior is put into an entirely mm-hmm. different context. And like you might have been in the past episode, for instance, been like, oh my God, lady, give this guy a break. You're married to Frank Truman. He's great. What's the big deal? Why are you so upset about everything? He's, you know, and now I I get it. Your 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 kid killed themselves and you're not over it. And I don't blame you. Like you're probably never gonna get over it. That is so awful. And like it's obviously affected how she reacts to everything in her life. And I I don't know about you, but I felt a lot of oh now I have a lot of sympathy for her perhaps I should have had sympathy for her from the beginning because I didn't know this whole story we didn't know um the thing is too is she probably doesn't even know that that's why she's reacting that way I do know that Frank knows that though right like that's what helps Frank have that infinite well of patience it's just like when Freya's losing her s which we know stands for snakes she um (laughs) when she's losing it i have patience with her because i know that she's it's not that she's mad at me or not that she hates me it's that she's exhausted or hungry or anything or she's a confused kid and what's happening with doris is she's going through a lot of stuff right i can't even imagine how you would finish going through that and frank knows that and that's why he's so patient with her you know i i love this scene and I, i i still love even though I know that like why she's acting this way, I still love the way David Lynch portrays this because, and this is just a, a, a quick tangent. Um, and if we have anyone listening um, that's not aware of this, Tess and I also have another podcast that's on a break right now called Same Team Y'all, um, where we talk about how we're all on the same team, all humans and creatures. And here's a quick Same Team Y'all moment. Um, <clears throat> we're both librarians and fortunately, unfortunately, there's opinions Our my library system has just recently reinstated um, math mask requirements for all staff and everyone because of various reasons. And um, some people are on board with it and some people are not on board with it. And it's unfortunate because that makes me and the rest of the librarians, um, the mask police, we have to make sure you're wearing your mask. And, you know, that's not a thing that any of us became librarians to do. Um, and you're going to be a little surprised when you hear this. Uh, some people have strong opinions about if they should have to wear their mask, if masks do anything, um, if masks exist, um, anything like that. Um, and I've had a few people, not a lot, only like two or three within the past three days. So that's not boding well, actually, um, that have reacted to asking to put just a piece of fabric over their face um, not as extreme as Doris, but within that realm where I'm looking and I, I, I see them and I'm like, I don't see what the big deal is, but to them, it's a very big deal. So here's a moment in that moment when they're being upset with me, is it easy for me to look at them and go, well, this isn't about me and it's not about the mask. It's about something else. I can make a guess at what that thing is, but I might be wrong. And so anyway, this whole scene, I loved it because it reminds I'm going to try to remember that going forward and not just with masks, but if someone's upset with me, right. It yeah. doesn't even, it's not about the fine, right. It's not about mm-hmm. the book. It's probably not about this, you know? Um, yeah. Our, our friend Kit really helped me 
understand something recently. My nephew, um, he, uh, he, he seems to switch, like he'll be fine and then he'll be not fine. And, um, and I was trying to figure him out. I remember recently we were all, we had a family get together and we got a cake and the cake was not the right flavor. And he was very upset. Like he was devastated that the cake was peanut butter flavored and not Oreo flavored because he had expected us to come with an Oreo cake and we came with a peanut butter cake and he was, this Mm -hmm. is the worst day of my life. And I was like, why did you do that? It's just cake. What's the big deal? Shouldn't he be happy to eat cake? And my friend Kit, she was like, well, think about it this way. Say he got up that morning and he wanted to wear his favorite shirt and his favorite shirt's in in the laundry. He can't wear his favorite shirt. A minor inconvenience, but it's disappointing. He got over it. He went on and then he went downstairs and say he really wanted a Pop-Tart for breakfast and they were all out of Pop-Tarts. Again, a minor inconvenience, but it's just another disappointment. And, And so maybe he's just had one after mm-hmm. another after another of these like minor inconveniences but they're disappointing they didn't live up to his expectation of what his day was going to be like that day and it's almost like a lasagna right like you're just feeling layer and layer and layer of disappointment and at some point you reach a breaking point and where you cannot take any more disappointment and you just throw a tantrum if you're a child or maybe if you're a grown-up you also maybe you throw a tantrum. And so a lot of times it's really helped me put like a lot of interactions I've had with people in the library in context of, oh, this was, this was the minor inconvenience that, that broke you for the day. And I get it. You probably had a lot of, a lot of disappointing things happen to you today. And I'm just telling you one more disappointing thing. It's not really about me or the 50 cent fine or the fact that our printer is down today or <laughs> and i think it it's helpful for all of us to keep that in context yeah no i think that's absolutely right and um i there is i mentioned on our other podcast a book called the power of now by eckhart tolle do you remember me mentioning this yeah he, he talks about the idea of the pain body the idea that when you experience pain, like a psychological pain, like a disappointment, you know, um, that, that it's in the body, that you feel it for a bit and then you don't realize that you're holding on to it, right? Like it's a thing, like if I go into work and I'm like, why am I so annoyed at everyone? You know, why, what is going on around here? It probably has nothing to do with the, this is just the last thing of a long string of things that could have started with me just, you know, waking up on the wrong side of the bed, you know? David Lynch, he's really good at what he does. Keep yeah. it up, buddy, you know? And that's pretty much the end of the episode. We get another um, performance at the Roadhouse. This one's Sharon Von Etten. The song is Tarifa, Tarifa. And that's the end of the episode. So let's uh, let's dive into our mysteries, shall we? Men and mysteries. You wanted me to, you asked me to highlight the lights appearing on the case files and the doodles that 
duper makes? Yeah, so I think I don't understand all of it, but I think the lights appearing on the case files, um, the little glimpse of the room above the the slot machines, mm-hmm. and that flash of was it green or a flash of a light mm-hmm. in front of yep. um, Tony's that, face, that very volatile work colleague, um, <laughs> are all connected. They're scenes of. Um, it's something from that other dimension giving hints to mm-hmm. to coop inside of Dougie's body to help him out. And I don't I don't know much more than that. As far as the doodles, though, this is what I think, because the doodles to me look like a ladder and then they look like stairs. And mm-hmm. then not all of them do this, but most of them do kind of like this long swoopy all the way down to this this big black what looks like a pit. And I think what he's drawing is the way that you can ascend your earthly limitations you climb this ladder and you go up these stairs so you're you're ascending look at you you're going up higher the idea of being able to traverse these different dimensions at will um or have these extra how coop sometimes had those special powers like some people have special powers that they can understand things or see things but there's a flip side to this you climb a little too high and you can swoop all the way down to i guess that black hole might be the black lodge maybe i don't know i presumed that the drawings had something to do with the insurance case <laughs> like maybe someone said oh i fell off the ladder <laughs> maybe they didn't or so funny <laughs> i kind of, i like your explanation better <laughs> that was my first thought i'm gonna stick to it i think I do think that his boss like picked up on, so I do. So this is another thing. I think that he, he somehow, because the doodles circled names too. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think that's really what tipped the boss off more than the, the ladder. I could be wrong, but then also I think the boss saw something else in there. Like it was more than just like, Oh, you helped me realize that someone in my, in my team is doing something nefarious. It was, the act, the whoever plays the boss, very good actor. Because once again, we have a moment of great emotion with little to no context, right? Like Fire Walk with Me does that a lot, where it's especially at the end where you're like, oh, there's something powerful happening, but I don't know really what or why, right? Twin Peaks, a big moment is where Coop is helping um, Leland like pass, and it's very emotional, very powerful. But once again, I don't really know what's happening <laughs> yeah. or why it's happening, but I know the feeling, you know? Um, oh, and that actually just makes me think of it as um, the, the matrix. So I don't know if you know this, but it it's, it's great. And, <laughs> and anyway, wh- who says it in the matrix? Who says it? Give me one second. I'm trying to remember a matrix quote. I don't remember who says it, but a character says something. I don't understand what, and I don't understand why, but it's the intention that matters, you know? Uh, it's something to the effect. And and I think that's really what David Lynch is getting at. Like the what and the why aren't important. And so if if, if someone is watching Twin Peaks expecting like an answer and like a, a mystery that has an answer, I would be really surprised. And it sounds like people were because we didn't really get that with the original either, you know, not really. I mean, in a way we kind of did, but not, not in a traditional sense. And so to me, I think for David Lynch, it's more of like, this is what I want my viewers to feel. 
it's not important why or even what, but this is what I want them to feel. And he's just really good at that, you know? Did you, you had something to say about Diane? Yeah. Um, she looked a lot cooler than I expected, right? She looks really cool. She looks really cool. Um, she looks like someone who would never be friends with me. <laughs> she looks like someone who I would really want to be friends with. Right? Like she, she seems so cool, but like above it, above it all, you know? But once she goes home, Maybe she's going through stuff too. She probably is. Yeah. I don't yeah, know how long it takes. Everything else going on in this series. Yeah. Um, I do think her and Albert have history. Well, I mean, obviously they have history, right? Like they, I, I would presume they all worked together at the FBI. Of the romantic nature. Oh. oh I do. Okay. That was, I know that was the vibe. <laughs> That was the vibe that I got from it. You're so getting a vibe. I'm getting a vibe, just like I was getting one from what was their name in the diner? <laughs> Miriam. <laughs> Miriam. I saw right away. I was like, "That's a cutie." <laughs> I I have a really hard time when I'm watching shows, like any like TV show or movie. I just automatically start shipping people with other people. Like for instance, I was watching Suicide Squad. This is not a spoiler. I was watching the Suicide Squad movie and I started shipping Harley with Flag based on nothing other is, than Is Flag the guy who the same actor who's in um, um Altered Carbon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, based on basically nothing except the fact that they're both really good looking and I was like, "Ooh, ooh." Like I, I still remember, I remember like you and I went to go see the Winter Soldier and I was like, do you think that um, Natasha and Steve are going to get together? And you were like, no. And I was like, oh, I think it's just because they're both really good looking. I felt like there was tension between them, but it, there wasn't. It, they there just wasn't. were both really good looking people. They're just good looking people. Um, I would have thought... You might be experiencing that with Albert and Diane. They're just both really good looking people. And so you Maybe. want them to be together. The way, the way he said, so either it's romantic history or, or, and this might just be it because the way he said her name, there was more emotion in there other than, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. It might be like last time he saw her, like the team might've broke up because of Coop going know. missing. Maybe, you know, and, and they've never really, you know. Resolved um, that. Maybe. Resolved that. Um, I'm a little surprised not shipping um, Harley Quinn and Idris Elba's Deadshot. That's a dream. That's a dream pairing right there. Are you kidding me? Here, wait. Let I'm me gonna, imagine that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reevaluate my choices. I mean, hey, here. no, no judging and no judging at all. But that's a, that's a dream pairing right there. That sounds great. I don't know. There was something about them. They gave each other a look, and I was like, ooh. You, you know what tess we're in the world of make-believe let's throw them all in a pot together we got a harley we got a dead shot let's put flag in there that I sounds great it. that sounds I great we, she got a guy for the weekend and a guy for the week that's how it works right yeah um you had something to say about the magic trick that red performs such a dime. such a phenomenal scene so i wish i remembered the saying shoot once again i'm not very good at these sayings but there's there's a saying <laughs> there's a saying somewhere now now i'm gonna feel like david lynch where like sayings are just made up where um you drop a stone like a hundred times 
on the 100th and one time it doesn't drop. That's a saying? <laughs> I'm, probably, okay. I'm probably really wrong. Give me a second. Should I do? Should, I'm, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to look this up real quick. I'm going to look this up real quick. <laughs> I've never heard that saying. Here, wait. I, I think it's a thing. Give me one second. Here we go. Drop a stone. Wait a second. Tell Give you what else I liked about. Yeah, food. yeah. You do some talking while I'm doing some researching. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure I get this right. And if I don't, it's okay. Uh, let's see. I feel like Suicide Squad, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, also kind of does the same thing that David Lynch does in that, like, they throw a bunch of characters at you, and at first you're like, oh, it doesn't matter what their backstory is. All that matters is that they're getting time off their prison sentence by doing Black Ops for whatever this government organization is. That's cool. I'm just ready to have fun and watch a movie. And then they... They do have backstory. And some of their backstory is very tragic. And now you find yourself having sympathy for these like quote unquote bad guys that are supposed to be quote unquote like literally dispensable. They're a suicide squad. Um, not what I was expecting from like the random action flick I decided to watch on a Saturday night. It's a good movie, man. Okay, I'm not gonna be able to find this. So maybe I oh, maybe, maybe I made it up. <laughs> I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna do some research after All right. uh I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research on this, but essentially <laughs> essentially the idea because they reference they reference this 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 um it, I, I think it's called a Buddhist Cohen K-O-A-N. Are you familiar okay. with this term? Sort of. Yeah, it's the idea of almost like a word almost like a word um, puzzle, like that seems illogical, but it's meant to kind of like um, help you thinking outside of the box. Um, here, I'm going to do, here's a collection of 100. I think they're pronounced cones. Let's see. And then you'll be like, oh, okay, I get this. Let's see. <laughs> this guy, what, is, what, am, what am I even talking about hearing this? Let's see. Cohen spelled differently, also a tribe of Israel. <laughs> That's what I think of when you say that as a Jewish person. That's the first thing I think of. Anyway, I'll, I'll do some research and I'll talk about it more next episode. But anyway, there's, and they reference it in the matrix. The idea is that you drop a stone and you expect it to drop, right? You let go of it and you let it drop. But after a hundred times, maybe it's not going to drop. The idea that we all always expect the stone to drop and maybe one time it won't. Uh, in the Enter the Matrix video game, the character Ghost and Niobe are entering the Matrix and um, he's checking his weapons. And Niobe uh, says, why are you always checking your weapons? It always loads, just like that. And this is how I know it's a thing, because he says, Buddhist, blah, 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 blah. Says the, so you go, so I always check it, because maybe that one time there aren't going to be bullets in it, you know? Anyway, all that to say is, is that-, that my going on with the dime my first thought was like you because here's the deal you flip a dime in the air what do you expect to happen for it to fall back down but it didn't hundred and first time it does not fall back down it lands in your mouth and then and then in your hands (laughs) the the, i so this is the idea as the buddhist cohen goes (laughs) 
I'm so sorry if we have any active Buddhist philosophers listening right now. I'm probably wrong, but I know I'm close to it. Anyway, the idea is that something unexpected happens. That's the that's the core. The what? I feel like that could be like if they ever wrote a biography about you and me, that would be the title. It's like we're probably wrong, but we're close. <laughs> I feel like I get closer every day. Anyway, that scene, I think the whole point of at least the dime is that something unexpected happens. We don't know uh, what or why, but it was unexpected. You had something to say about Carl watching a light ascend from that. Yes. Portrait. When the light comes out of the child, he says, God. And you can probably think of it him saying like, oh God, like, oh God, this is bad. But I think he says it as in God, as in he saw God mm. leave this child's body. Um, and I think this is a way of David Lynch trying to say that like the divine exists in everyone. And in a way, I think somehow like that divine energy is connected to, I think, electricity in some way. Like I'm not a, I'm not a uh, electricity professor i'm not an i'm not an i'm not an electric professor i'm not an electricityologist okay. i'm not a, i'm not an electricityologist i'm just a librarian jim but i am um, i think that david lynch is trying to say that there's some kind of connection between like our our um soul or essence and a divine power and electricity and like somehow like we've seen electricity somehow the way you can travel between these two areas you know so like that's what coop did to get into dougie's body right there's that electrical thing on the wall now we don't know what that electrical thing was but to be honest the what is it isn't important the what the The only thing that yeah the only thing that is important is that it was an electrical something in this other dimension and it allowed coop to go in that direction yeah and Leaf and I should be 100% clear, just because we are librarians does not mean that we know everything. Famously, I think there's like stereotypes about librarians being like very well educated and we do tend to be very well educated, but famously librarians do not know everything. We just know where to find things. Um, so uh, when you come into the library, we might not know what you're talking about and that's okay. I feel like some librarians feel a lot of shame that they don't know everything, but Leaf and I have been in the game a long time. We know we don't know everything. So if anyone's listening to this podcast thinking like, who do these librarians think they are? What library do they work for? They should be ashamed of themselves. No, we're actually really good at what we do, which is finding things for other people, not knowing things finding that's right we are links in the chain of information not the gatekeepers for the information um also um well put sir thank you tess and i have learned enough to know that we don't know everything yeah unlike uh that scene in star wars where the librarian was like if i can't find it it doesn't exist jocast there's so many times I've like wished that I could be Jocasta new and say that to someone, but I can't. Yeah. Um, you had you had something to say about the thugs that Jamie E talks to at the park. <laughs> yeah, just real quick. I think there's t- well, this is probably obvious before, but just to state it is that there's two different people after Dougie. Um, not that dangerous thugs, right? Not that well, I would say not that dangerous because. Janie E scared them. <laughs> so they don't right. seem that scary. And then another person after him is, I 
guess Booper. I guess the theory might be that Booper somehow from his prison put that red square on the computer, which was a signal to what's his name, Todd, to get the envelope to signal to Mr. Spike to go ahead and kill um, Duper and Duper's. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that now it's kind of starting to come together mm-hmm. that apparently the 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 really bad person that Mr. Todd works for, like, don't ever let yourself become entangled with a person like this, is Mr. C. And somehow Mr. C can send messages. <laughs> and um, he put a hit out on Dougie and he hired this woman to to do to get the job done she didn't get the job done so he's put a hit out on her and dougie with spike um and i think that's what we're supposed to figure out from that whole interaction i think so and then somehow there's little boxes that turn into little gold balls too (laughs) we're getting there we're getting there yeah And that is all the mysteries, unless you have any others. I don't know. That was an an episode. Let's let's, uh, debrief on our quotable quotations of the episode. (laughs) Ooh, that just flew. Yeah, music provided by Leo Wright in 1961. Thank you. Man, Thank you, Mr. Wright. Leo Wright. Thank you so much. Leo uh, Wright or Leo White? Leo Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T. Now, I'm not that familiar with music. Is he a, is he a known musician? Not that I know of. I mean, he, I mean, I've listened to this whole clip. This, this man is great at what he does. <laughs> you know, he's, he's perhaps, legit. Perhaps in the world of jazz flute. He's yeah, let me, very well known. Here, look, we're halfway through. Turn, listen, listen to this. Ooh, ooh, so good. Anyway, that's the thing. Um, what is your quote of the episode, Tess? Um, I had a hard time deciding between two, as is my usual. I'm going to go with this one. It's from Janie E. as she's talking to the thugs, which I realize I'm generalizing these thugs. They obviously don't work for good people. They're like trying to you know what? They're probably going through their own stuff, right? They're going through their own stuff, man. We don't get to find out what they're going through. But um, Janie says this to them, which I really felt like deep down in the core of my soul. What kind of world are we living in where people can behave like this, treat other people this way without any compassion or feeling for their suffering? We are living in a dark dark age and you are part of the problem now i suggest you take a good long look at yourselves because i never want to see either of you again and one of the guys says tough dame so um great quote i've learned that um i need to start writing them down so usually (laughs) some usually i do but sometimes i don't because the i don't know why the sites i go to not a lot of quotes from the oh. return. Yeah, there's like, if I go to the original Twin Peaks, I feel like there's like whole pages of them. This one, not as many. And I feel like there are still pretty good quotes usually. Um, what was I going to say? The um, Oh, so if we never see these two young thuggish gentlemen, again, my headcanon is that they do go home. They look in the mirror. They call their moms up. 
they 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 move somewhere safe they maybe finish high school you know and they get a good job and maybe they even come into my library and i'm like sir what are you looking for and it's like i need help with uh, my resume and i'm like i don't do that unfortunately goodbye sir and then he <laughs> but then before he leaves i go but i have a link at look at your face i have a link in the information chain chain of information so i could find you someone who can help you with that and we do have programs and then he he fixes his life man you know yeah, yeah. i um I just have been feeling so much inner turmoil lately about the world that we find ourselves. I, I know this show was made in 2017, but when Jamie E says Mm. we are living in a dark, dark age, I, I felt that like resonate throughout my body because that's how I feel about like right now. And there's so much judgment about who's, gotten the shot and who's wearing a mask and who and I I don't know about you Leaf but at my library I've been encountering a lot of people who are reacting to the things that are going on in the world in a very self-centered manner of like how is this affecting me and I'm upset because I'm not getting what I need and not thinking about other things that are happening in the world to include a global pandemic and civil unrest and <laughs> and I've been having a really hard time dealing with it. So when Janie E tells these two guys to go home and take a hard look at themselves, I really felt that. I was like, yeah, everybody stop talking to me about your problems. Go home and take a hard look at these emails you're writing me and these 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 concerns that you just need to voice okay i i love my job i do but sometimes it's hard um it was it was either that for me or albert (laughs) f gene kelly you mf (laughs) so funny him carrying that umbrella and the rain just coming because it's not just a little bit of rain it's buckets of rain downpour oh what was your quote of the episode um this got a really good laugh out of me is um it's uh dougie duper and his wife and he says uh jade gives two rides and she goes i bet she did (laughs) i thought that was just so funny and like he's got this cute smile on his face and she's very upset about this i also felt this very um well, anyway, it was, it was just really interesting because, of course, she would be upset. He's having an affair, right, with a prostitute. Um, I guess that's the end of that story. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Who is your MVP for the episode? <laughs> Music provided by royalty-free sports music <laughs> by Stockwaves. Also, just really great music. It's, I mean, Stockwaves, thank you. <laughs> In its own way, yeah. Let's send some love and kindness to whoever yeah. composed that. Yeah, uh, my MVP for this episode um, 
I think my favorite, once again, we always talk about like, what's the, what's your criteria for MVP? And sometimes I go between the person I think helped the most and who I just found the most enjoyable, even though he's not a really good guy. I think my MVP for this episode is red. (laughs) I, I absolutely adored him. Just, I feel like that actor knocked it out of the park. His like weird mannerisms and the way he just like talked and it was like who knows who he's i guess he's talking to the guy in front of him but maybe he's not and the thing with the dime it was just absolutely riveting um i prefer that that actor is fantastic just standing ovation to Mm. balthasar getty he did a he did a great job um uh uh Maybe not the last we see of Red. Oh, I, hope, I don't know. I hope not. Um, I uh, my MVP for the episode. You're right. We're always kind of debating like who should get it. Um, I'm just gonna go with my heart and give it to Miriam because I just really enjoyed her. I thought she was real cute. I love the way that she was just like, yeah, I ate a cupcake and two pieces of pie, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Um, I also love that she gave the waitresses a big tip, even though on her teacher salary, she can't really afford that. Um, she seems just like a really like solid person that I would like to be friends with. Like, you know how like Diane would not be my friend. Miriam would 100% be my friend. I have, I, <laughs> I have really no doubt. Her. I have no doubt that. Miriam and you and I would all be friends and she would be really cool. We would eat pie together and we would probably have her on this podcast, which would be really weird since she's in the show. (laughs) What's that actor up to or actress? Where's she at? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, Look it up. Cause I would love to have her on the cast, you know, (laughs) (laughs) not for any other. (laughs) That would be great. Oh, that... she, I probably shouldn't have said how attractive she was, though. Like, I don't know if that's <laughs> oh, weird. I'm sorry. Miriam, I am going to make it awkward. Miriam, I'm going to tell you this. Honestly, um, my wife would be okay with it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> look, look at you. Okay. <laughs> um, that actress's name is Sarah Jean Long. Uh-huh. And it looks like... Uh, there are only two things, three things on her IMDb page. There's that's a good when, sign, actually. <laughs> when she played Miriam on Twin Peaks, um, when she was in a documentary short called A Very Lovely Dream One Week in Twin Peaks, which I imagine was about the making of Twin Peaks Return, and a uh, a TV show called a TV show called Zero F's which was made in 2020, which she played a character named Wanda, and she was also an associate producer on it. I've never heard of this show. I'm looking it up now. It says it's a post-apocalyptic comedy for survivors past time in an endless orgy in an underground shelter when Ivanka, a murderous space woman, beams in and things get kinky and spin out of control sounds like sounds like a a piece of a piece of work right there well i thought it it sounds like pornography right it does but it's on it's on imdb 
So maybe it's just Do like they you know, not put pornography on IMDb. I don't, oh, I don't that's know. a good that's a good question. I what, IMDP? No. International IPMD. Look at you. <laughs> International <laughs> Pornographic Movie Database. I just like a like erotic thriller. Well, I gotta tell you, I am thrilled about this. <laughs> thrilled somebody. I thrilled somebody. I am about to look this up. Oh um, man. Well, well, that's a thing. We might be able to get her on the show. Maybe. maybe yeah. That'd it looks kind of like, cool. To, to answer your question, it doesn't look like she's doing anything right now. So but maybe zero F's was just last year, you know? Well, yeah, that's true. Maybe she's working on a sequel or something. We don't yeah. know. So even um, less F's given the sequel. <laughs> um, Leaf, how many fish and a percolator would you give this episode? Fellas, don't drink that coffee. You'd never guess. There was a fish. There was a fish <laughs> in the per. There was a fish in the percolator. Remix. <laughs> Sorry. DJ Pete Martel. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I love that man so much. I've watched this clip so many times because of this show that, that we, you and I do. And it brings a smile to my face every time. Is that you? Yeah, that's my oh. that's my ear horn, like for <laughs> Thank DJ you. Pete. <laughs> Thank you. I would love to make a nice like fat beat using Pete Martell quotes. I'm sure that exists, right? <laughs> I hope it does. I'm somewhere in the um, world. I how many fish did you give it, Leaf? I would give it four episodes. Four fish in a percolator. I, I really also, enjoy this episode. I also gave it four fish in a percolator. A decent episode. Yeah. Well, you know what? I would say decent is three, right? Oh well, I would say I would say three is like average. Is decent better than average? In my opinion, it is. Yeah. Like if like if uh, like if you were like, hey, here, ask me how your story time went. How's your story time go? No, ask me how your story time went. Oh, how was my story time? It was decent. Cool. Oh, is that better than average? Yeah, if you told oh. me it was average, I'd be like, ooh, where can I improve? Oh, average, decent, and then amazing. Yeah, What's... I um, I have this, like, uh, I think I, I don't know how to judge things which is probably a bad thing to confess in the middle of our like review of the episode it's but okay. like i talked to i talked to brett about this a lot like we're like he's like well on a scale of like one to ten how much would you give it and i'd be like maybe a five and he's like "Ooh, that's bad and i'm like that's like halfway like it got halfway there that's not that bad and he's like no 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 that's like a d and i'm like oh okay he's oh like okay so maybe I'm really bad when um, I have to like make up my own scales for things. Like for instance, when Brett asked me like about a beer that I drink, like what, what? So if I say, if I say meh, that means I didn't really like it. If I say it was okay, that, that also means I didn't really like it. If I say it was good, then it was average. It was just good beer. If I say it was great, 
that's approaching it's approaching like a really good level and then if i say it's amazing then that's like probably the best i can do like that's probably so like i don't i don't usually do like five stars or anything i because i'm so i got like a weird i don't know it's hard for me to judge things because i like so many things permission to become jeff goldblum for just a quick moment. oh permission granted thank sir. you the let's take a moment and consider <laughs> the the american educational system and what it's taught us right so let's yeah. pretend let's pretend 100 percent is the equivalent of of ten, how, how many points would you give it out of 10 right that's how it works mathematically right now let's imagine that so essentially five is like like you said or, or actually no a six is a D. A six is a D. A yeah. six is a D. A five is a fail. And everything below five is just worse degrees of failing, right? So you and I are always talking about like our perception as humans, right? And social constructs and the idea of looking at things that are good in the world as opposed to things that are bad. And we're all victims of this. For example, um, that, that wonderful piece by um, Mr. Wright, four people downvoted it. <laughs> That sometimes bothers me, but you know what? By looking at the four people who downvoted it, I miss the thousands of people who upvoted it, right? That's a great example that we all fall into this trap. Now imagine that our scale is out of 10 points, but out of all those 10 points, only the top three are good, right? Yeah, seven, right? It doesn't eight, make no, sense to I, me. I guess the top four, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are good. Everything but a seven, a seven is a C. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So seven, well, is a C, C's good. Right? I think a C is bad because I was, I am a C student. I was a C student and, and I got a lot of flack for that for my parents. I don't know about you, but if I got, I came home with C's on my report card, they were like, oh, again, okay, with you? Let, like, let's why take can't this. Excel? Okay, well then per your recommendation, we're gonna bump it up. So that means out of the 10 points, only three are good and seven are unacceptable. Now imagine that our scale, the scale, cause it's a pretty common thing to say, right? How many would you give it out of 10, right? Because we've been taught that because of a hundred points for our grades. Now imagine, what does that mean? What would that help us learn that we have essentially a scale of grading things where only three are good, but for discussion's sake, we have seven degrees of bad, right? <laughs> Think about it. There aren't seven degrees of good. Like, oh, that was good. Oh, it was a little bit better. Oh, that was, there's seven degrees of bad. I think we've touched on something. This might be a very important point of why it seems as if people are more drawn to talking about things that they dislike about things as opposed to what they do enjoy. End of Jeff Goldblum moment. Yeah, so I guess Leaf and I should be clear about the rubric for the fish in the percolator. Thank you. Mm -hmm. five, five fish is an amazing. Uh -huh. Four is a great episode. Three is a good episode. Two is an okay episode. And one is like a meh, like I could take or leave it. Can, can I add a caveat to that? May I? Sure. Okay. This is my interpretation. <laughs> Five. Well, actually at the top, infinite, right? In right. Infinite the fish. MC Escher percolator of MC, endless fish. Thank you. MC Escher-esque 
percolator of endless fish leading down a percolator that leads into more infinite levels of percolators filled with infinite fish. That's that's the top. That's amazing. Piece of golden artwork. Then five, which is r- amazing. Four is great. Seven is, I kind of liked it. Two is, hey, you guys did a really great job. I don't know if I enjoyed it, but you guys should all go home and still really be proud of yourselves. One is, hey, I finished it. I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it again, but you know what? You should still put that on your resume. I'm proud (laughs) of you guys. And then I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. Zero fish. You know what zero fish means? What does that mean? Zero fish means I didn't watch the episode. Oh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I can't judge it. I can't give it any fish because I haven't seen it. So actually, if someone goes, hey, Leaf, what's your opinion on this kind of controversial political thing that I shouldn't be asking you at work? I'd be like, zero fish. I don't know. I haven't read it. I got no opinion. I would love for you to just tell someone, no, there's just zero fish in that percolator, brother. And then they'd be like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I've often thought about like, because David Lynch <laughs> makes up his own idioms, you know? And I love the idea of just being like, you make a thing. And if you say it enough, will it, will it spread? <laughs> <Unreal>. right? <laughs> like, what do you think about this? Zero fish. Zero. No fish. I got no fish for you. I got no fish for you. I'll use that on my, if I've got a, um, well, I, I do have an interview coming up at my interview. They'll be like, what do you think about this? Zero fish. I got zero fish on that And one. they'll be like, this man is a genius. You're hired. <laughs> and it's going to be like um, Dougie's boss. You really are an <laughs> exceptional human being. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Please keep this between ourselves. Speaking of exceptional human beings, thank you for listening to this Mm -hmm. episode. We appreciate every single one of our listeners. Um, May you all have fantastic weeks ahead. And hopefully we'll be back here next week to talk about another part. We're inching closer to part eight. (laughs) Everyone just wants to know what Lee thinks of part eight. We're getting there. Um, we're going to talk about Twin Peaks again. And uh, let me just hand you this coffee, Leaf. Oh, I would love to take Here this coffee. I've got it. And I'm going to drink it. And uh, that is. It's real hot. I feel weird saying it because he hasn't said. I feel like that was a, a an original Twin Peaks thing. It was. Should we come up with a new? We a should. New... Yeah, that okay. didn't feel that didn't feel right. All right, um, here, I'm gonna hand you another coffee. Oh wait, I'm not prepared. Oh, oh, that's a. You're like, wait, you have to prepare. Give me one second. Oh, here it is. Can you hand me a cup of coffee, please? Here, wait, 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 wait. Let, let me let me get this ready. Give me one second. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm just queuing this up. Okay. Um, I'll love to take that coffee, please. Here you go, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, Jade gave two rides.